You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Bucks never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Back on Green and Growing, Steve Sparky Fiverr, 1250 AMthefan.com, along with my guy Brian Sampson. You follow him on Twitter at Bucks Film Room. Follow me at Sparky Radio, of course, writer for Forbes and Dairyland Express. Download Green and Growing on your Odyssey app, wherever you download your favorite podcast at. Of course, you can stream us live on the Odyssey uh, Sports YouTube page, as we're doing right now. Okay, Brian. The Bucks win. Giannis has 64. Everything is fine and dandy. They get the revenge on the Pacers. Everything's great. This Brooke Lopez stuff, I'm sorry, dude. I'm losing my patience. If I have to watch Brooke Lopez guard a guard one more time, he spends as much time on the perimeter at the three-point line guarding guards as he does down in the paint actually being an effective shot blocker uh, here under this Adrian Griffin-led defense. It's driving me absolutely bonkers. You've watched Bud's defense. You've watched Adrian Griffin's defense to this point. Again, small sample size with Griffin. I understand. Uh, but I, I much prefer the Brooke Lopez and Bud's uh, defensive scheme versus what I'm seeing right now. And I'm fearful that when you get to the playoffs and you start actually really scouting the Bucks and, and making adjustments game in and game out, how effective is he really going to be on the defensive side of the ball if they continue to play this way? Yeah, we'll we'll see. I think there's a lot of evolution that needs to happen with the Bucks defense from where they're at now to where they're going to be in the playoffs, both in the scheme that they're running and let's see if they can make a move or two to upgrade their defensive backcourt. I think that would go a long way, both with the issues that you're talking about and just their overall defensive output. I think that's really, um, in my opinion, two of their biggest issues is he's Griffin believes in being really aggressive. That's one of the principles that I think got him this job is Milwaukee saw Budenholzer run a very passive defensive scheme. And a lot of times what we see in coaching changes is you go from one end of the spectrum to the other. And the answer is probably usually somewhere in the middle. It's probably not a very passive defense. We probably don't need a very aggressive defense. We probably need to mix and match and find that answer in the middle. And so I think that's what we've seen Griffin try to do a little bit, especially after the start of the season, but there's still work to be done. Uh, a lot of the Bucks defenders still guard five, six feet above the three-point line. Tonight, we saw Andre Jackson Jr. trying to pressure Halliburton the length of the court. That didn't work out well on number of possessions, if not every possession. So I think that they still need to find that that right fit between, all right, what can their personnel actually do and what kind of scheme does Griffin want to run? This is the thing, though. When he was in Toronto and Matumbo was in Toronto, they didn't have a true center until, what, the end of last year or whatever when they made that deal. They never, they didn't have a Brook Lopez, a big you know, slow lumbering seven footer that blocks shots through elbows, you know, and, and try to make space. They didn't have that. They had a bunch of 
smaller, more athletic dudes that were interchangeable parts that could shift all over the place. So when you play that defense, yeah, but you're playing that defense in large part because you don't have a shot eraser behind you. So now you do have one and you're essentially going to negate him outside of maybe when you go to the two, three zone or something, you're going to negate him with all this switching that you're doing. And you're going to get him put on islands purposely by the opposing coaching staff to take advantage of a guard on him nine out of 10 times, especially when you get to the postseason. That's what bothers me uh, in this whole scenario, as far as whether or not he's utilizing his personnel the correct way. Now, again, if they had, I'm just going to pick some dude that's sitting out there on the beach right now watching this. Nerland's Noel, right? Who's more athletic that can move around a little bit better. Okay, fine. Maybe I get down with that if there's a more athletic type big other than Brooke Lopez. But he's not the guy to be playing this defense when he's on the floor. So a lot of what, I've, what, I, what I think I've seen them play is switching one through four and trying to keep Brooke out of that switching action. Sometimes that happens where he gets in that, but usually what they try to run is, I think, a switching action with one through four and Brooke trying to play more than that drop coverage. I think one thing to your point about Griffin is a lot of times when you're a new coach coming into a situation, you're trying to overhaul the scheme because the team was bad, they've had failures, and that's not the case in Milwaukee. They've been the number one seed. They've been the best team in the Eastern Conference for the last half of a decade. And so I think that Griffin needed to do less of an overhaul and more of, all right, we have a foundation or the Bucks have a foundation. They know what works on defense. Let's use that foundation, but then build out from there instead of just tearing the whole house down and trying to start new. Um, I think that's one part that I've been a little bit discouraged by is just this isn't a 20-win team that he took over. This is a team that was a number one seed. Obviously, their playoff results weren't desirable last year, but using what has worked um, what the Bucks had one of the best defenses in the NBA using that and then expanding from there instead of just coming in and tearing everything down. Then don't get me wrong. I, I don't mind, you know, double teaming a guy that's hot uh, and blitzing guys and forcing guys to do different things. That is an aggressive type deal. I, I just, the, the Brooke Lopez on, on guards and we've seen it now several times this year just drives me nuts. Okay. Let's move on from that. What about Damian Lillard? When Lillard got here, everybody's like, oh, dude, he's horrible. Like he's so bad. And, and it's like, okay, well, maybe he's not great. Fine. And I understand we're coming off a true holiday that was, you know, kind of that lockdown point guard that everybody thinks is, you know, the, the best defensive point guard in the league. You're one of the best defensive point guards in the league. So anybody next to him isn't going to be him. I get that. And even Lillard said at one press conference, he's like, okay, I'm not him. I'm not horrible. Like everybody's making me out to be at this point. You've got what, 25 games or whatever it is to this point to watch the film and really you know, kind of eye in on him and see what he's all about. What have you made out of his defensive performance to this point, Brian? Two things. One, when he wants to turn up, he can. We've seen a couple of possessions here and there where he really goes at it. He's aggressive. He doesn't have the physicality and the length that Drew Holiday did, which which limits him. You can when you're guarding a six five Tyrese Halliburton and you're what six two like Damian Lillard is, there's only so much you can do or some of these other players. So I've seen a couple of times where he's really competed, he's gone hard. What I haven't seen is him do that with any consistency over a long period of time. I see when I went back and watched the film, I see a lot of ball watching from him where he stands and is watching the ball, probably using that time to rest uh, so he can help carry the offense. But then he loses his man on offensive rebounds or his man man cuts to the hole because he has his back turned to him. So I've seen a lot of that. That's really been the norm from Lillard is a lot of ball watching. Um, 
but he can turn up in these small spurts. I just want to see him do that for an extended period of time. I also think his defensive deficiencies are, are magnified because he's playing next to Malik Beasley, who also sucks on defense like that. I think if he had a good backcourt partner, then you can hide him more where here it's Beasley's getting exploited. um, Lillard's getting exploited. They go back and forth. So I think that's part of the issue too. You know, if you're the one weak link, you're easier to hide. But when you are one of two weak links, it's hard. I've seen a lot of people on social media, Bucks fans, of course, that aren't experts. Um, suggesting that they should just put Beasley on the bench, let him come off the bench and shoot, uh, and put one of these young dudes out there instead in the starting lineup where you don't have to rely on them to score. Your scores are all out there. And just have whoever the best defensive young guy is, put him out there, whether that's Bochamp or Jackson or whoever it is, out there uh, and see what they can do going forward, pretty much saying they can't be worse than what they have out there now in Beasley. You've watched these guys as well. If you're Adrian Griffin and Prunty and that coaching staff in Matumbo, uh, are you intrigued by maybe doing that at some point to see what it looks like, or are you just going to play the vets and hope they get better? This is where I clash with most of Bucks Twitter. Um, for the, for me, the young guys, you got to prove it at this 10 to 15 mark before you're going to get a starting job. You can't just think that, all right, this guy's potential. We're going to start him, play him 25, 30 minutes a game. And all of a sudden he's going to do something that he's not doing right now in his 10 to 15 minute role. So yeah, maybe Andre Jackson Jr. and Bochamp can become those defensive stoppers, but they have to do it right now in their role and then work their way up. Um, we haven't seen that consistently from them. Compared to Beasley, and I apologize, Beasley, I didn't mean to throw that stray at you earlier. Oh, I think no, he tries hard. Guys. He's fine. I, I, no, whatever. I, I think he tries hard on defense, but defense isn't just about wanting. You actually have to have the skills. Like You can't just all of a sudden, all right, I want to be a good shooter. Defense is the same way. But um, to my point, so I think that Bochamp and Andre Jackson Jr. are better defenders than Beasley, but that doesn't mean that they're good defenders, if that makes sense. They're being graded on a relative scale, um, and we've seen them struggle. Like And we've seen them struggle, and we've seen them have some periods of success. Both are true. It's The answer is neither, or is usually never like one or the other. It's always both and um but as far as the young guys go i want to see them be more consistent in this 10 to 15 minute role before thinking about throwing them into the starting lineup or increasing their minutes 